I had the pleasure once again to speak with Andrew Hackard from Steve Jackson Games. We chatted a bit a couple years ago. Yes, it's good to talk to you. Well, thank you. At least you're happy now. Who knows, after the end, you'll be like, oh, I never want to see this bad penny again. Oh, it'll be fine. There's lots going on with Steve Jackson Games. You've got a lot of different stuff that's out, and a lot of it's non-Munchkin related, too. That's That's been really exciting, seeing all of the non-Munchkin development, because, of course, Munchkin is awesome, Sure. but we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket. We come out with, for instance, the Mars Attacks Dice Game, which is kind of a pressure luck game where you're taking over cities and destroying monuments because you're Martians. That's what they do. Exactly. And especially in Mars Attacks. And do you have some of that great Mars Attacks old retro artwork? Oh, absolutely. We've worked with Tops. They gave us access to all of the old art, the art from their new sets they're, they're working on. So it's all in there. We've got some great images of cities in flames. It's wonderful. <laughs> I seem to recall the old card where they're shooting a death ray and you see the skeletal dog and woman. <laughs> it's like, wow, and this was out like in the 50s? Yes, and they were selling it to kids. Right! Oh, the good old days. I love that. The old wacky packages reminds me of that, too, back from the 70s. So let's talk a little bit about the Mars Attacks dice game. Sure. I'm taking a guess. It's got custom dice. It's got 10 custom dice. They've got ray guns, Martians, and nukes on them. Uh, because you're a Martian, you want ray guns and not nukes. Um, it borrows somewhat from our other pressure like games like Zombie Dice, where you're tempted to keep rolling with the promise of if you get too many nukes, you're turns over and you don't do anything. You're trying for ray guns in the cities or Martian heads on the monuments to actually claim them. There's different numbers of each that you have to have for various victory points. Uh, and you're just, you play until you exhaust one of your piles. To me, it looks like it's a meatier than, say, zombie dice, but it's in a very small footprint box, very easily portable. Exactly. That We were going for something that had a little more depth to it than zombie dice, which is a great waiting in line beer and pretzel sort of game. Uh, Mars Attacks, you actually have to sort of think about which one of these do I want to go for. My opponent is really close on this card, so do I want to go for a different card, even though it might be harder? Sweet. I know one item that's appeared here at Gen Con, and you made an announcement last year about it, and people just went completely bonkers is the Adventure Time Munchkin. So let's tackle that. So Munchkin Adventure Time, we partnered with USAopoly. They brought in Cartoon Network. They worked really hard on the game, producing the game. Um, we let them, gave them access to our mechanics and our database and said, go forth and make a game. And they did. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Uh, we are sold out. We brought quite a few copies and they're all gone and it's Saturday morning. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It uses art from the show. Cartoon Network opened access and said use whatever you need. Um, the wrinkle in Adventure Time is you've got the standard door and treasure deck like any Munchkin game, but you also have characters. So you can actually play as Finn or Jake or Princess Bubblegum or Bimo or whoever. And I knew that was going to be a huge hit because when you made the announcement and I put it up on the website, it's like I didn't release any info about Angelina Jolie that somebody didn't know about. Right. It's it's really the perfect marriage because Adventure Time is basically Munchkin on, a, on the TV anyway. Right. And we announced at the Tavern this year that we're going to be producing a sequel, Adventure Time 2. It's a dungeon crawl that's going to be out sometime next year, we hope, in the first half of the year. Oh, so people won't have to wait until Gen Con. Absolutely. Now, we've got other things lined up for that, but we can't talk about those yet. Of course, and I completely understand. I'm sure you guys have plenty that's in the pipeline a couple years out already. Oh, yeah. We're, we're scheduling 2017 right now. So planning is a little weird for us sometimes, but it's kind of nice to actually have things lined up that far 
far in advance. Um, we've actually had a lot of announcements at this show. Um, we started with Munchkin Gloom. We're working with Atlas Games. Uh, Keith Baker, the Gloom designer, is designing a set that uses the Munchkin art and, and monsters and so forth. And you're trying to, as in any Gloom game, kill your monsters in the most hideous, depressing ways possible before everybody else kills theirs. Uh, we also have announced several boosters, like little 15-card packs for 2015. Um, the most exciting one, I think, is a new Munchkin Apocalypse booster, Judge Dread. Nice. So, based on the, the comic book, uh, our COO, Phil Reed, is a huge Dread fan. And as soon as he realized that there was a Mars Attacks Judge Dread crossover, he said, well, this is perfect. We have to bring it in and so people can play that crossover in their Munchkin Apocalypse games. Uh, we also have a Valentine's booster, because every Munchkin needs more love and monsters and loot called Love Shark Baby. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my reaction when we came up with that name. The artist on that is Katie Cook, who writes and illustrates a lot of My Little Pony stuff, so the art is adorably cute. She, she does really nice stuff for IDW. She really does. Uh, so this art is adorable and slightly disturbing, but it's Munchkin, that's fine. It's... Yeah, we've got a lot of other stuff we can't even talk about yet. Uh, we also had an early release of Car Wars Classic, the, original, the 1990 version, spiffed up components, you don't have to actually take your exacto knife and cut everything apart anymore. That came to the show and sold out very quickly. We've got some strong sellers. Castellan continues to do well for us. Uh, Revolution is our foray into Euro-style gaming. Uh, we had an ex a new expansion for that at the show that is also gone. I was going to say, Revolution's been out. It's been out for a bit. It's been out, I think, six years now. Uh, and this ex the, the new expansion is called Anarchy. So it adds the backstabbing that Revolution desperately needs. Uh, you can play it. You can do everything, including control the anarchist, which lets you do anything you want on your turn, pretty much. Now, you had mentioned Car Wars Classic came out. First thing I'm going to ask, and I argue with people about this all the time, and I've been gaming forever. My audience knows that. Car Wars originally came out, and I've had people argue with me, and they tell me it first came out in a plastic clamshell. And I'm like, no, it did not. It came out in a Ziploc bag. In 1981, Car Wars came out in a plastic bag. Steve very quickly went to the plastic, the black pocket box clamshells. Well, with a lot of his titles. Sure. But it, the very first release, just like the very first release of Ogre, was in a plastic Ziploc bag. So was One Page Bulge. Oh, one page. Raid on Iran. Kung Fu 2100. I told you, <laughs> I've been playing yeah. Steve's games for a long time. All those, <laughs> since you were about negative three, it looks like. Uh, no, I was a freshman in high school, so yeah, 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 I got some gray going. Talking about Car Wars a little bit, because I know when uh, the designer edition of Ogre was on Kickstarter, that just was out of control. It was sort of like printing money yourself. It, well, it was it was printing money, and we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves in for. Uh, we took a game that was already ludicrously oversized and just made it insane. The final version, if your listeners have not seen it, is 28 pounds. It's a huge box. It's a huge box. It's two feet wide and about a foot and a half tall, and it sold out almost immediately which kind of scared us a little bit. But yeah, one of the things we promised as part of the Ogre Kickstarter was that we would start working on Car Wars, a new version of that. Uh, that is well underway. We've brought Scott Herring back onto the team to work on Car Wars again. And we're currently testing some concepts in-house, testing some concepts on our forums with a lot of the really dedicated, devoted, insane fans who we love. We don't have a projected release date because we're going to make sure we get it right. Sure. And one thing I had noticed regarding the designer edition of Ogre is 
I think Steve was probably very personally and pleasantly surprised that there was such demand for it because I think he kind of it was like one of his first games so of course it's like you know your first child they're always special to you Steve Steve referred to the designer's edition as the ogre he really wanted to make in 1977 when he first started and our plan for ogre before we decided to run the Kickstarter was we would print 3,000 we said it's a hundred dollar board game it's it's in it's almost 20 pounds at that point and that's very unusual for a Steve Jackson game to have that price point or that heft sure and so we said we just we don't know what sort of demand there is and we realized if we do a Kickstarter that will tell us what kind of a demand there is over the course of the Kickstarter we had people pledge for almost 6,000 copies of the game and our sales director came in at the end of it and said this is the attention we're getting I'm hearing from all of my distributors that they want it. They want a lot of it. So we ended up printing 12,000 copies of Ogre. And it's gone. And it is, you can still find it in the retail. In the retail, retail, right. Right. Yes. But but our warehouse is out. Distribution is out. Yes. So call your local retailer and have Keep your work, fingers crossed. Yeah, have them work their network and see what they can find for you. That was a year and a half project bringing that actually out onto the market and damn near killed everybody. But... It was worth it. It really was. It's a gorgeous game. Shifting back a little to Car Wars, the rumor mill tells me, and you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong, that the focus is going to be, because we were huge Car Wars fans. We, we all sat around designing our own cars and everything else. And then when we got to play, sometimes it was, it was just too mammoth an event. And especially with gamers these days, they have less and less time. I'm hearing there's kind of a divide. Do we go complex or do we simplify it a bit and then give people the option to make it more complex? I've heard that you're going more for uh, more entry-level gamers. That, I mean, that is one of the discussions that's being had in our forums as well as on the staff. Uh, we think that for today's market, a better choice would be have an entry-level thing that is more accessible for gamers who aren't already familiar with Car Wars, but have the options to add on as much complexity as you want, more vehicle design options, larger games, and just do it as a modular thing. If you buy, it's kind of like well, a lot of other games. If you buy the original set, it's a perfectly fine game that you can enjoy and play with your friends, but the complexity, the expansion is out there if you want it. We all miss our Uncle Albert's catalogs and Auto Duel Quarterly. Yes, oh yes. I am not actually in that planning process. I don't know what all they've got planned for continuing support of the line, but the plan is that this is a line. This is not a one-and-done release. And my guess is those numbers are going to dwarf ogres. It's just my guess, my opinion. We would certainly like that. That would be awesome. You won't be shedding any tears if that happens. No, not at all. I want to mention, too, and maybe it doesn't get enough love from the the gaming media. How's GURPS doing? Because I always had a very soft spot for GURPS because if there was any sort of setting that you ever wanted to play, likelihood Steve Jackson Games had covered it somehow. Most of our GURPS support now is electronic. It's it's through PDF sales. Um, those sales t- continue to be pretty strong. Uh, we've had a, a couple of hardbacks in the last in the last year, uh, GURPS Horror and GURPS Zombies, that have done pretty well. Geez, I wonder why. I have no idea why. Maybe it's a coincidence that you'd, you'd go in those two directions there for the hardcover. Sure. I mean, when you've got Ken Height and Sean Punch writing horror and zombies for you, you're in pretty good shape. Um, Any the, questions about Lovecraft, you could go to Ken. Oh, 
absolutely. <laughs> there's there's plenty of Lovecraft in GURPS Horror. Uh, and it is, I mean, the role-playing market is is changing. It's The, the D20 boom took a lot of people out. And then D&D 4th Edition, which I personally had a great time playing, but a lot of people really hated, mm-hmm. I think took some people out of the market as well. And there's just so much more competition for people's time. Uh, but we're going to continue to support GURPS as long as people want to buy it. Kind of piggybacking on your comment about some people dropping out during D20 or dropping out 4th Edition. I'm a role player from way back and didn't actually play D&D much since a kid. I don't understand why people get upset when a new edition comes out and they don't like it because guess what there's a system out there somewhere that's going to fit your need sure all the people who were really annoyed about D&D 4th edition screwing up D&D 3rd edition my response was all of that material is still out there there's lots of people doing exciting things. You've got Paizo doing Pathfinder, which is strong support. I was talking with Mike Merles yesterday, and he said, we are thrilled that Paizo is doing so well with the game that we created. So it turns out it wasn't what our market necessarily wanted, but they found their niche and they're running with it. And D&D 5th Edition looks like it's going to bring a lot of people back into the hobby. I like the starter set. I've done a review on the box. I've had an opportunity to sit down and talk with Eric Mona over at, at Paizo. And something I think Steve Jackson Games does have in common with that company is that you like to listen to your community. And sometimes game companies, and I'm not saying wizards, but I'm saying some game companies, they're not overly concerned with what the community has to say as long as they're buying. I think any argument that wizards doesn't listen to their community was put to rest when they had 170,000 playtesters for their new edition. I was one. So <laughs> I, I looked at the materials, but I didn't get a group together, and I kind of I feel bad about that. But a couple of my coworkers were, were playtesting and said that they saw their comments actually really having a significant impact. I think any company today that doesn't listen to their customers is a company that's not going to be around much longer. I was going to say, they won't be around tomorrow. With social media, with increasing engagement on a company's own site, through web forums or contact forums or whatever, the feedback is there. You have to be willing to listen to it and and correct if what they're saying is, this is a bad direction. There are things that we've talked about that we've ended up not doing because our fans are like, "Mm, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Uh, Or just flat, I would not buy that product. And why you, you're not going to produce something nobody wants? Well, hopefully we don't produce something that nobody you wants. Want to. No, that would be that would be bad. I'm looking around the little room where we're doing this interview, and I've realized I forgot to mention one of our biggest announcements because it was before Gen Con. I was going to say I mentioned something as well, and we might be on the same page. I want to make sure that I share a little love for our friends over at Fireside because you guys are doing Munchkin Panic. So, well, t- to be fair, they are doing Munchkin Panic. Okay, it is. But you guys are teaming. We are we are teaming up. Yeah. Um, just Justin, Justin used to work for us. I didn't know that. Yes, he was he was in our production department for quite a while. And, and he and his wife are sweeter than pie. They're wonderful. Justin and Anne-Marie are great friends. We see them all the time because they live in Austin and we're based in Austin. Yeah. And when we first were talking about the idea of, you know, Castle Panic is a really great game, we could probably put Munchkin in there and... 
their response was, really? You, you would let us do that? And it, we said, well, yes. Sure. But it's a, it's a perfect marriage. The game itself is amazing. It is it is Castle Panic, but it's got a lot of munchkin in it as well. And it's been such a joy to work with them, see the process, go through the playtesting. We've been so thrilled with Fireside success in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been around for five years, and tens of thousands of copies of Castle Panic in that time. Their, yeah, Dead Panic just came out fairly recently, within the last year. Within, within the last year, Bears, their quick dice game, yeah. is a whole lot of fun. They are a company that is doing it right. You're creating good games, bringing them to market, engaging with their fans. They're very good about that. And they've got their biggest convention space at this show ever, and it's been full every time I've been by there. So It's wonderful to see. It is really wonderful to see. So, And Munchkin Panic's out in October, but Fireside hosted our dinner at the Munchkin Tavern last night, and four lucky fans got copies now to take home. Those bastards. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm with you on that one. I, I'm, I, I work here. I didn't get one. Not yet. I'll get one soon enough. And I've played it plenty. It's a great game. So Was that the announcement that uh, you had forgotten? Ah, that's why I want to make sure that we get to what you were going to say. No, on Wednesday, we announced that we next year's Munchkin game is going to be Munchkin Steampunk, uh, illustrated by Phil Folio from Girl Genius. <laughs> so that's going to be a fun one. Steve, Steve's written it. We're playtesting it right now. Uh, lots of top hats and monocles and gears and sprockets and steam and a little smoke. Sure. So it is, it's playing really well. We're having a great time with it. And the the sketches that I've seen from Phil are, it's going to be a really lush, fun set. Phil's been around a long time. Bust out those old Dragon magazines, oh, yeah. people. Phil and Dixie. Is. That's right. Oh, yeah. I, I flipped to those to see how much the censors were letting get away with that month. <laughs> Sometimes it was the best part of the, of the magazine was that and Phineas Fingers. That and, and the letters column saying, here's what you, sc- yeah, here's what you screwed up last right. month, idiot. Right. One of the things that I really love about being in the hobby and working on what I work on is I get to work with some amazing people. I was just on a panel with Ken Hyde, who we talked about, Keith Baker, designer of Gloom, designer of Eberron, designer of the Doom that came to Atlantic City, uh, and Shane Hensley from Pinnacle, who's done Savage Worlds and Deadlands, and I was kind of looking around going, I can't believe this is my life right now. And there's just so many people in the industry who are so generous in giving of their time. Uh, It's a really great job to be in a great place to be. And it's sort of funny you mentioned that, Andrew, because a lot of times people will ask, because we we hit all these conventions, and it's a lot of work. You know how this stuff is. They always ask me, what's my favorite part about going to the cons? And they always assume it's, oh, I get to see the new games, or I get to play the new games. My favorite part of the convention is catching up with people I've made friends with at the different companies in the industry, and how wonderful the people are at 99% of the game companies out there, and they are just fantastic people. Absolutely. I think, I don't think the kind of person who's going to be a jerk is the kind of person who's the temperament to work in this industry for very long. It is, it's, I mean, we work with a few exceptions. There, there are, there are a few. I'm not naming names. I mean, we get to work on games for a living. That That's awesome. How, how cool is that? And it's not brain surgery. Nobody's going to die. Right. And it's, if you lose sight of that then you have lost the joy in life because this is a great job I see I see fans who have become friends because I've just seen them at shows over and over and they're always kind and complimentary and it's just great to see them I see lots of friends at other game companies um, even people were the, uh, 
uh, folks who don't know the industry very well would assume, well, that's one of your com- direct competitors. Why are you buddy business? Because we, we're in the same business. We're on the same team. And Gaming is doing well. Everybody's doing well. I mean, that's really the thing. It's just like a new edition of Dungeons & Dragons coming out. That's going to be good for Pathfinder. It, it, it sure is. And it's, I mean, the indie RPG movement has brought a lot of people into, oh, here's what role-playing is. It's not just guys in, in, in pale helmets with foam swords bashing on each other. And it is... This is this is a richer hobby than I think it has ever been because it really of is. this the, is a golden age we're going through. It, right it really is, and all the people who said you know computer games are going to destroy tabletop gaming, nope. And and we're seeing seeing more and more feedback of people who got into the hobby through computer games now. Designers and publishers, a lot of folks that I'm personal friends with, they all worked in the computer game industry back in the day. Sure, I mean you get somebody who's been playing Catan on his Xbox, and then all of a sudden he says, wait, this is a board game, and the board game's got more stuff than I can play on my and I can sit around with my friends and drink beer and eat pizza and play this game and have a you know, have a bro night or a, or a broette night or whatever sure I mean that's it is a social activity and people are rediscovering that there's that hunger for we don't want to sit in front of a console every night of the week we actually want to get out and see our friends and gaming is a really good gateway into that and I love video games been playing computer games almost as long as I've been playing tabletop games and I think a lot of people don't realize that the tabletop gaming industry is in a much healthier position right now than the video game industry is. It is. I mean video games you have to invest so much into the development the testing, the equipment that you do it on and you know if you're an independent publisher you run the risk of I'm devoting thousands of dollars, millions of dollars to developing this game for a console that oh is obsolete all of a sudden. Yes. And that's really rough. I mean, Munchkin is not going to be obsolete because you bought a new table. Right. Exactly. Yes. Or you moved. Right. If I want to play a video game, I've got to have it. My friend has to have it. His little sister has to have it. And you're talking about a significant investment over the whole group. A tabletop game, even an expensive one, is probably $70. And you get so much more fun out of it and you get the, the time to be with your friends and hang out and crack jokes and insult each other's mothers and do whatever it is that you guys right. need to do at the table. Exactly. As I said, there's that hunger to, to be social, to be out there with people and I think that table people are realizing tabletop gaming scratches that itch. It really does. It's a great hobby. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been hanging around it for all these years. So, and it, I mean, it's folks like you that are the backbone of bringing all the new, new blood into it. So thank you for that. We try. We try. Any final thoughts or uh, words that you'd like to share with our audience, Andrew? Everybody I've seen at Gen Con, thanks for coming. Uh, those those people who have not yet made it to Gen Con or maybe have never been to a convention at all, there's more local conventions than ever before. See what's in your area. See what you can do. Hop online. Make some friends online. Maybe start a, start a game club in your area because it's one of the most rewarding things just sitting down with people who are about to be your new friends and play games. Go track down the local Steve Jackson game man in black sure you can do that i mean most companies have demo teams so find your favorite game and see what's out there maybe you could be the first one in your area and you mentioned going online so i'm going to toss out the website is sjgames.com 
it's your thing and if you specifically want munchkin you can go to munchkin.sjgames.com or worldofmunchkin.com right or worldofmunchkin.com they go to the same place so it's kind of scary when i just could reel off these domain names off the top of my head well now i see this sort of game show where i just spit a company out you give me the domain and andrew thank you so much for taking some time out here at gen con it is saturday it is crazy it is packed and you guys are super busy so i appreciate that jeff it was a pleasure thanks so much for having me on Thank you.